Welcome to Fundamental Tracks, the magazine-style music podcast for serious fans of seriously good music. I am Andy Pulliam, and now that spring is upon us, I felt it was just a good time to have a show where we dwell more on positive side of things. The weather's getting warmer, outdoor festival season is nearly upon us, so on this month's episode, we are featuring two aspects of the music industry to feel very good about. The first is the High Strung, who bring a unique, energetic, and vibrant style to their shows night in and night out. The second is Daytrotter.com, which is definitely one of my favorite music websites around right now. They bring the best of live music from bands you probably heard of and some that you definitely haven't heard of. We are freshly back from South by Southwest in sunny Austin, Texas. And when you come back from South by Southwest, first of all, you need a week or two to recover. And also, you bring back a certain amount of new music and new artists that you came upon while you were down there. And later on in the show, I want to share with you some of my recommendations for new music. And later in the program, Joe Nichols will give us his take on new releases with What's On Tap. What can I tell you about the three-piece ball of energetic, explosive rock and roll that is the High Strung? Well, there may be no other band that has a name so appropriate. A live High Strung show feels like, at any moment, the energy will lead to spontaneous combustion a la Spinal Tap drummers. The three members, vocalist, guitarist Josh Mailerman, drummer Derek Burke, and bass player Chad Stocker, have been friends since they were 11. The Detroit band formed in 2000 after changing their name and adding Chad Stocker to bass. Since then, they've recorded three LPs, working with the likes of garage rock producer Jim Diamond, who has also worked with White Stripes. The band tours non-stop, playing over 300 shows a year, including gigs at public libraries across the nation. And for this, they were featured on the NPR program, This American Life. Their current release is entitled Get the Guests, and it can be found on Park the Van Records. The band is currently recording their fourth record and third with Park the Van. It is being produced by David Newfeld, who has produced Broken Social Scene and Super Furry Animals. Their song Lucky You Got was recently featured in the Paul Rudd movie Over Her Dead Body. They've toured with the likes of Sunvolt, Dr. Dog, and The Teeth, and they'll be back to the libraries this summer. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview at the Artist Interchange with a High Strung from South by Southwest, 2007. Welcome to Fundamental Tracks. My name is Andy Pulliam, and I am here with uh, the High Strung. Guys, it's a pleasure having you here. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for uh, having us. <laughs> yeah, this is the only time we'll ever be in the lobby of the Hilton. Right, right. We're, we're camped out in here uh, in the Hilton lobby. Lots of uh, big, important people around, I'm sure. So uh, you guys are road warriors. I mean, looking at your uh, touring schedule, what, what are some of the oddest venues you've played? played uh, 100 libraries in the last two years, uh, and that's been probably the oddest feeling <laughs> to play. played a, uh, what, a, what felt like bingo night in San Diego once. <laughs> um, that one, that was one of the most awkward nights I've ever had. Uh, d- describe that. That, that sounds uh, kind of... <laughs> I just convinced this woman on the phone, you know, to play at her bar in San Diego, and, and uh, I didn't realize that it was... Like, when we, okay, when we got there... We were setting up, and I literally just played one note, like, boom, on the guitar. And someone goes, turn it down! You know, like, I hadn't even played a chord. These guys hadn't even started yet, you know? So then, uh, 
Um, and we were followed by, remember? Oh, I. We were followed, yeah, we were followed by um, this weird uh, Motown cover band, a bunch of old white dudes. And then the lady was like super, super, super wasted at the end of the night. Her name was Edna, I think. And me and Derek, the drummer. Edna. Edna's place. Edna's place. Edna's yeah. place. And Derek and I had to like uh, pretty much, uh, I don't know, uh, talk to her until we could figure out how to get the money from her because we would we asked for the money and then she would start talking about something else and, and you know. But anyway, yeah, that was that was a strange one. This is probably worse than that. We've had weird ones in Toronto. We've had yeah a lot of weird ones. Is there a weird? transition going from say touring endlessly and playing your music to you know taking it in and uh recording in a studio is there a a transition that goes on and a thought process or you know or is it is it the same thing it's all part of the same motor running it does being at home is a little weird and there's days where it's a little freaked out you know but you know we have stuff we're doing at home too and like you know i write books and stuff so for me sometimes that motor feels like it's always running but, like, yeah, I mean, it's different just because it's literally different. But, but yeah, it does feel like it's sort of the... Because we talk about the record a lot on the road and stuff anyway. So, you know, by the time we get to, like, by the time we stop, it's like, you know, we're, that's already on our mind. It's not like all of a sudden we make a right turn and we're like, what are we going to do? <laughs> we're, you know, we play a lot of the songs that will be on a record during a tour, you know, to, like, yeah. get them road ready or, like to see if they can pass the road test or something like that, you know. Um. Well, what's playing in the van right now? Like it's Austin, it's the Austin Classical Station. <laughs> is it really Austin yeah, Classical? Just, I don't know what it is, but it just, you know, our radio doesn't work that well. We have, like, a tape player, but so when we pull into a town, I like to see, you know, what's on the radio. We had, you know, some classic rock, we had some hip-hop, and then, like, we just, like, after hearing a lot of loud music, you know, it just like came across the classical station and that's just what it's been on. And like, I've like, I get a kick out of like, kind of like pumping it up, you know, like as if it were like Survivor, you know, not the TV show, but the yeah, band. The, the Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, and it's some like, you know, classical music. I, I don't know if this is uh, a high strung folklore or if this is a real deal, but I went on Wikipedia, and supposedly there's a story of you guys dropping your tour van off at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Is this is this the real deal here? Or? Yeah, that's the real deal. I mean, I like folklore, so maybe I won't give every detail away, you know? But, uh, um, well, when, but after we got our, our new van, we, we decided, we, we bought our new van before we got rid of our old van. The old van had 318,000 miles on it, and we decided that we needed something new. So we were on our way to New York to play a show from Detroit, where we live. And uh, we decided to drive through um, Cleveland, you know, on the way. So about 2.30 in the morning, we arrived in at Cleveland, and we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, we drove the bus up the front steps, and we left it there. And we even made our own plaque for it and everything that said, you know, this is the High Strung's touring vehicle. It has 318,000 miles on it. Uh, and all that, you know, and that was it. And, and we just donated it to them as... Because the way I see it is, like, you can have Janis Joplin's, like, you know, Porsche or something in there, or Kiss's makeup artist's head on a lamppost, but, like, 
<laughs> you know, I, who gives a f about that, you know? Like, this vehicle has gone around the country ten times. It's been puked on. It's had, you know, like, every substance known to man running through it, you know? It's, it's been slept in. It's, you know, it's everything. I mean, it's, that, to me, to me, that, 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 that's real. You know, that's real. Do you, do you know whatever happened to it? Do you, is it hanging from the rafters in Cleveland? So, uh, I think it's in a storage space. Okay. The, the, whole, the whole yard is, is titled What If. What If. Exactly. Knock, knock on your boat. It'll sink you like a stone. descriptions about you guys some bands don't exactly love labels but some kind of embrace their labels but um, exciting rock and roll retro garage bombastic indie rock now is, is that I would say that we're definitely I, we're, I would say it's bombastic indie rock but only indie because we just don't have that much money I would like to have a big full sounding Marshall and I'd like my voice to come out 
you know, the right way every night and whatever. You know, indie, indie, uh, I feel like nowadays indie doesn't necessarily mean do it yourself. Nowadays indie implies some sort of jangly, jangly guitar or angular maybe sound or something more like, not kitschy, but just there's a, a sound that comes to mind when you think of like, oh, they're an indie band. Okay. So we're not like that for sure. We are indie in terms of like, you know, we only have so much money, we record as, you know, to, as the best of that works out. There's no question we're bombastic and there's no question that it's pop. But I would like to, I would like to somehow turn the, the indie around a little bit somehow. But I think that, I don't know what that's going to take. But. But, oh, you know what, I don't like the garage retro thing at all. I don't. I understand the retro thing because we are, uh, whatever, I adore Neil Young. I love Pete Townsend, you know. But I know that we're not garage. I know that. I know that maybe our first record sounds a little garage, uh, it's a little just because it's dirty or something. But it's just not. It's not. And in fact, other garage bands, that if we played with them, they would be like, you guys don't belong with us. I know, and we have played with garage bands before that are like, you know, it's not the same vibe. So we don't play any blues songs, you know. We don't play, like, none of our songs are about, you know, ooh, ooh you're going to be my girl, going to be my... You know, and it's just not like that. It's like, you know, we have a song about a guy who goes to an older woman for sexual advice. Uh, we have a song about Art Rimbaud and John Rambo. We have a song about museum curators, like, that are, you know, devious and screwed up. We have uh, songs about track athletes. It's just, we're not, it's more like Lewis Carroll than it is, like, Garage. You know, when you think of Garage, you think of that, like, without fail, I think of that distorted heavy guitar and the bass. And it's, if it's not blues bass... Then you can't say that that's what it is. I really believe that, you know. The White Stripes are definitely blues-based. I mean, that's their whole bag. So, you know, that's Garage. We're just not. We. The only thing that we did is we made our records with Jim Diamond, who. The reason we made them with him is because first of all, we're, we're not like afraid of somebody saying, "Oh, it sounds like Garage." Whatever. The people that listen for songs will think what they're going to think of it or not. But, you know, the reason we went with him is because he makes things sound fun. And that's one great thing about Garage Rock, is that it is fun. So, to work with Jim Diamond, knowing that he can... Because that, like, we recorded songs before on our own, but, like, weren't able to get that, like, this band is fun on tape. Okay, so we knew that this guy can get that on tape. All right, he's a garage guy. So what? We're not. Let's go work with him, though. Let's, let, let's take that from him. And let's give him a band that's not a garage band, because he doesn't want to just be, like, the garage guy either. So I think we're kind of really good together in that way, you know? Along the lines of Jim Diamond, of course, he's associated with the Detroit scene, of course, with the White Stripes, and you guys coming out of Detroit. Do you think there is a Detroit scene, and do you consider yourself part of it? Yes and no. Yes, there's definitely a Detroit scene, and it's, it's actually loaded with a lot of really good bands. That, that's, it's kind of shocking that any night in Detroit, like, a pretty good band will be playing at least every night. Um, the reason that's shocking is that that city is not, you know, so huge as some, someone who's never been there might think. No, we're not a part of that scene. Maybe a little more so now because we've been living there longer and, uh, and like, you know, I feel like Derek especially has, like, met, you know, other bands and, and some of the bands have came to our show and we've gone to some of theirs. But it, it's never like, uh, usually when I think of a scene, I think about how it works. It's like, you know, a bunch of like-minded bands on some level or maybe just like-spirited, whatever it is start at the same time or, or like getting started at the same time or whatever and so there's all this sort of lifts together and I feel like you know we were in New York when that happened we were in New York when that happened in Detroit so for us to all of a sudden show up it's like we would be I don't know we'd be like Sam on uh, uh, different strokes <laughs> we're like we don't we're, we're like an extra or something we're like the cute little kid but then you know 
that's all right. Also, if, if, as long as we don't, like, you know, intentionally, oh, we don't belong with those guys. No, it's, they're great. They're all great. And we all play shows with them. And, you know, so we just, but I would not say we're brothers with them. I would never say, like, that, you know, that we're, like, in with a man or that kind of, we're just not. We're closer with bands that we've met on the road and toured with on the road because that's what we did while that scene in Detroit was going on. So some of the bands on the road, I, I know that uh, uh, from reading some quotes of yours on MySpace and things like that, that it's, uh, it's quite a thrill sometimes to go up there and be playing, you know, being on the same bill with some of your, the bands that you really admire, like, say, the Capital Years, one of the bands that you guys dig and who are here. What sort of things do you draw from these other bands that uh, that are on your label and that you uh, that you get a chance to play with night in and night out? Well, I mean, you know, with them, we didn't we weren't on their label back in the day when we first went on tour with them, but they were a super challenge. You know, it was like it's almost like a a challenge in sorts. You know, but it was like camaraderie also. You know, but like they taught us they taught us a lot of stuff about um, how to. Uh, approach a live show the visual of it all and personally um, the bass player of the Capitol Years Dave Wayne Daniels uh, he was like the one and he was one he was like the one guy I've ever seen that I like knew and I could talk to that like changed my life forever as far as bass playing goes because he he was so such an active melodic bass player and I'd never seen anybody else do that before and I wasn't like that before either and I uh, learned uh, so much from him you know, so, I mean, like, that, when you're on the road with a band for, like, more than one or, you know, five shows or something, you start, end up, like, picking up on, like, what their strong suits are and what their weaknesses are, and you, you know, you've, you learn a lot about yourself by comparing yourself to them, and, and it's camaraderie, so it's never, uh, it's never malicious, you know, it's great. Just getting, getting to the idea of you guys' style, it's obviously a high-energy sort of thing, you know, where does that come from? You know, do you do you feel like you you draw off of each other? Of course, you know, Chad, you've got, uh, you know, very, I I can't I I have a hard time describing it. You know, it's a very unique style and it's fun watching you and I, it's like watching a three ring circus. Each of you guys is fun to watch, on your own. But then you come together. Do you feel like that you draw the energy off each other or where where does the the you know, not to sound corny, the high-strung energy of the high-strung. Where does that come from? Uh, I think that it starts with just, like, actual enthusiasm. If I had to say, though, I think it starts with Derek. If Derek plays, like, you know, uh, uptight or something, it's really hard for Chad and I to, like, get crazy. Because it, it does. It starts with your drummer. you got this loud, like, thing that's constantly moving behind you. And if it's, like, excitable, you know, you can't help but get excited, too. So, you know... But uh, I would say that that it, like right works that way. So. And, and Derek, uh, would you agree with that? Do you do you feel like? Well, first of all, just your your drumming style. Where where do you feel it comes from? I mean, it's uh, almost chaotic. It's it's frantic, but there's a, a real control to it, and it really does seem to drive the band along. How did that style develop for you? I don't know. I just wanted to you know play as hard as I can and. Uh, you know, throw out as much, uh, I guess, energy as I can, and, you know, but I don't want it to suck, uh, you know, in the process, so the uh, chaotic craziness is from me wanting to, you know, put out as much of myself as possible, 
And the controlled bit that you talk of is me not wanting to f*** it all up. Do you feel that it's a, uh, it's a character sort of thing for you? Do you, f or, uh, yeah, are you stepping into a character when you get on stage as the high strung, or? Yeah, I mean, you can see by talking to us right now, it's not we're like, we're like, hey dude, man. And then we get on stage and we're like crazy or something. No, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I feel like it's like I'm putting on like a skin tight, like wetsuit of like energy glowing man. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's definitely a character, you know? I'm not like that at all. Whatever that is. Yeah, it's like a... Hey, it's like a uh, manic uh, manic episode being on stage, you know? And the rest of the time, I'm depressed. So, no, it's not like that either. But it is, it's just like a... Yeah, like... Our, our show is like kind of like a manic episode, you know, and like, I don't know where it comes from, but like, as soon as they sit down and someone puts a microphone in front of you, and uh, you got all your instruments, and you know you're going to be loud and powerful, and people have no option to hear you, like, you like, I don't know, step into some, something else happens, and then you're all of a sudden a lunatic. It's like a crazy pill. Wake up, I got good news. I made my mind up just for you I know what kind of guy to be It's taking longer than you think One way, he's such a scholar He's got a book belt and a real clean coat If someone were to make a pass This other one would kick his Either way
Josh, you're a writer, and do you approach the two arenas differently, say, when you're writing a song than, say, writing a book, or do you feel that there's crossover in this style? Um, I think there's a crossover in terms of, like, the characters that show up in both, but approach to it, I, there's no question I approach songs more carefully. There's no question, like, every step of the way I have my eye on and I'm really worried about every every moment of whatever with a book it's like just go 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 it's almost like jamming I was, I was telling Chad that the other day it's just like just go just go just go just go because I have a, a more fun time like uh, I guess reading and writing a lot like more how do I say this more about like a character like personality or how the mind works let's say uh, than like a you know a beautiful setting or even a great plot. So for me, if I want to get like how the mind works on tape, I feel like that it's important like just to let it go, let it go, let it go. And it's not stream of consciousness. It's not really like that, but it is. It's like pretty rapid. It's pretty like concentrated. It's you know. But with songs, I get I'm way too nervous to do that. I would like to do that more with songs. And I bet you that I would end up thinking those songs are even better than some of the ones we have. But I just I'm real like real careful about it. I don't know why. But so that's cool though, because then I get to do both. You know. Right, right, and and uh, it really seems like a lot of the songs are kind of like what you mentioned, uh, the, you know, songs, almost like a first-person narrative type of style. Do you, do you think that being a writer, that's kind of how you think in terms of, okay, this is my character, what's he or she thinking, what is, you know, what are they going through, is that kind of... Yeah, yeah, I just like to, I like making up, like, like, uh pretty realistic situation and then just making the character just just a little bit absurd or just just a little like I'm, he's got just enough of a mental hiccup that either you feel bad for him relate to him or you know you know want to think more like him or something you know so uh, that's sort of you know I just I like the you know the regular like love song kind of thing but you know alright well you know you know, let's go a little bit further you know he, he doesn't just sleep a lot he wets his bed okay whatever it's not the funniest or craziest thing but that's what he does he wets his bed so now we have a song about a bedwetter you know and it's not silly it's not like uh, you know bare naked ladies it's not even funny actually but it's just like it's almost like uh, self-deprecating but without being like I suck you know like oh man, I, I don't know how to handle this oh, oh, yeah, yeah. you know and I feel that way all the time in, in terms of this infamous library tour what was the crowd like at these shows i know you guys got uh, featured on this american life for it i mean was it kind of a did you get the younger crowd uh did you get did you get some maybe curious npr listeners who kind of popped their head in i mean what what was that what was the crowd like it's all over the board i mean it's like from little kids literally little kids to uh old people like 80 year olds so um that's and that's why it's like because we all we all struggle sometimes with like oh this isn't like you know a real venue or whatever, but uh, the truth is it's like it's it's really working out for us and I think it's working out for the library too or the ones we've played, but like uh, you know it, it's like we are actually playing to people that never would have heard us otherwise not not at this stage of the game so you know that's incredible I mean we're always playing from like twenty something to thirty something you know always when we're on the road. But now it's like, you know, all of a sudden we have all these teenagers. You know, even if we, they don't, even if we don't go over well, or even, or even if we don't know how to read them yet, or even if we don't know, you know, what it is yet, at least, like, that's what we're doing, you know? At least now we're, like, they're hearing us or whatever. So, I mean, that's just, like, a benefit of it. But it, is, it's, it can be really awkward. It can. The paintings are hanging, great golden frames, as well as they should. And that's all good, because I've got the key.
seems like I, I don't know if all these people that you listed going on the the magic of MySpace and you you've got the 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 part where these are our influences and going through your influences there's a ton and it's from every source imaginable you know you got the label guys like Dr. Dog who are taking off like crazy now it seems and you got Zeppelin and the Beatles you got Rachmaninoff and Beethoven and Woody Allen and Richard Pryor, you know, first of all, are, are these all truly influences you feel like from one way or another? Yeah, how can they not be? How can they not be? You know who they are, you know their work. Every single event that's ever happened in your life has led you up to this point. You know? I, uh, I kind of made the MySpace page first and I entered a lot of that stuff in there and um, I sort of guessed at like what like Josh might say his influences were you know I know which ones mine are but like and I and I've heard these guys give enough interviews in the past to like know what they might say you know so I don't know have you ever got into that that area and like yeah, typed in your own stuff the, you got Booker T and the MGs twice Oh, yeah. But that's cool because I, I think they do deserve to be first. Yeah. <laughs> what are you looking for in the future? Are, are you hoping to break it big? Are you hoping for something like, I, I mean, I, I've noticed that Dr. Dog has been getting a lot more media coverage lately. I've been noticing him in magazines. Are you hoping for that? Are you hoping for something bigger? Or are you just, are you happy being uh, a touring band that does their own thing? I mean, what, what do you guys hope? you know, comes of the high strung, ultimately. I hope that we sell... How many people live in America? I hope we sell 300 million records. Uh, I, yeah, I hope that we do as good as Dr. Dogs do now, but way better. I hope they do, too. Um, I hope that uh, we the next record we write is better than this one. I hope that the production on the next record is better than this one. Yeah, I want us to go all the way to the top, of course. But uh, don't live by it, either. If You know, if that... If something leads that way, and if we can make something happen that way, that's great. If not, I'm, I can totally sleep fine with Get the Guests, our new record. I can sleep fine with Moxie Bravo, and hopefully I can sleep fine with the next ones. What are you hoping for, or are, do you hope to have in your head maybe a, a certain direction that you're, you're heading towards in terms of sound, or, you know, or do you hope to experiment a little bit? Derek and I were talking about this because I was like, oh, you know, I've written... Uh, or I have the idea for a written sort of like six new ones and we're both like I wonder what they're gonna like sound like it's like we already know what the songs are sort of like in the car now we're sort of like what are these gonna like what are these gonna be like you know what instrumentation who's gonna produce this that's all we're thinking about right now but I, I gotta make sure I write those 10 songs 20 songs first and then we'll worry about how it's gonna sound you know what I mean cause I don't wanna get like we're gonna make the biggest over the top slick album ever and then oops uh, you know these yeah. songs are bad you know right. so but uh, other way around would work. All right. Well, I really appreciate it, you guys. Uh, I, you know, I want to thank you because uh, it's like an honor for us. We're like down here, and then you know, you know, I call like my mom, and I'm like, you know, we're going to do this interview right now. It's just, it's awesome. It's like really cool. I'm in the lobby of the uh, Hilton right now, getting interviewed for a podcast. It's, yeah. it's awesome. So, like, thank you.
for that. I feel like I feel like every rocker that's walking by right now, coming out of the elevators, is like, I, I wish I was being interviewed right now. I'm kind of glad I look them in the eye as they walk by, and I'm like, you're not getting interviewed right now. I'm important right now. Go back to your goddamn hotel room and watch the Disney Channel. We knew we could jump. We didn't know how far, so we raised the bar, raised the bar. It didn't look too high. And all of the music you heard can be found on the band's Park the Van Records release, Get the Guests. Thanks go out to the High Strung for use of their great music. Seeing the High Strung play again this year at South by Southwest was definitely a highlight. Here are three other recommendations of acts I saw perform that you might want to check out yourself. The Ting Tings are a sort of reverse white stripes in that the guy is playing drums and the girl is fronting the band. It's danceable pop rock topped with a few effects to make this English band very original and interesting. Ezra Furman and the Harpoons played a biting rendition of the Velvet Underground's heroine at a Lou Reed tribute. People call Ezra Dylan-esque, but don't let that label scare you due to the fact that it seems like there's always a new Dylan every so often. Ezra Furman seems to be the real deal. And the Shackletons are a Pennsylvania quintet that we'll actually be featuring on a future episode of Fundamental Tracks. I saw them at a party where the bill also included the great atmospheric folk rock band Fleet Foxes. The Shackletons are a passionate, energetic, theatrical band that everyone wants to compare to the Pixies. They've got something pretty refreshingly unique going, though. Speaking of refreshingly unique, Joe Nichols has a thing or two to say about this month's new releases. And now let's find out what's on tap.
Hello and welcome to What's On Tap. I'm Joe Nichols. Saddle up Starbuck and Ishmael, Moby's back with a new album. The adult contempo techno man is back with the album Last Night. Well, I'm thinking it's more like Last Chance. 80s experts Whitesnake's latest carbon footprint is called Good To Be Bad. I could be wrong, but aren't these the guys who accidentally burnt down a venue three years ago? Ah, either way, it has to be better than Coverdale and Page, right? Underground rock legend and the man who personifies tranquilized teen angst is back. Nick Cave in the Bad Seeds new album Dig Lazarus Dig. Mariah Carey's new album is called E Equals MC Squared. So if I do some E, I'll be able to listen to the hip-hop diva twice. I'll dare to say no. Ah, the Vegas years. That's what Everclear has dubbed their new album. Unless you're Sinatra or have shared things with JFK that would make Ted Kennedy blush, don't involve the desert Gamora. Madonna's latest is Hard Candy. I have a really good sexual innuendo, but modern decency laws prohibit me from saying it, so just let your mind wander. Yeah. A band from Athens, Athena herself did the mashed potato to. R.E.M.'s Accelerate is big number 14. Elvis Costello's Bridging the Age Gap with Momo Fuku, which can only be gotten on vinyl or as a download. His fan base goes from kids who don't know what records are to adults that think computers are black magic. New Zealanders Flight of the Concord's self-titled album is coming out. Album artwork experts Asia's latest canvas is called Phoenix. Carly Simon is releasing This Kind of Love. The wordsmiths known as The Roots are coming out with Rising Down. Seven Dust album has a nice title of Chapter 7, Hope and Sorrow, which is true of all Chapter 7s. I'm Joe Nichols. That's what's on tap. On the next Fundamental Tracks... We'll be featuring the aforementioned Shackletons. You won't want to miss it. Finally, we close this episode of Fundamental Tracks with Andy Pulliam's take on the music industry, The Resonating Chord. I have found the holy grail of the modern music industry, and it is Daytrotter.com. Actually, Daytrotter's been around for a few years now, doing something that the mainstream recording industry has been fighting against, giving people quality, free music downloads. What exactly happens when bands come in for a Daytrotter session? Here's Sean Moeller to explain. Um, you know, they, they get there and uh, you know, they come up, to the, come up to the live room and they check out all the, the gear and they take pictures. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in there. I mean, it's, and they, they get excited about all the things, and, and kind of, I think, something clicks, you know, within the first few minutes that they're in there that this is going to be a really great time, you know. And, and they come in there and get sound, and, uh, you know, two hours later, you know, you know, they've been drinking beer all afternoon, and then we buy them a pizza and send them on their way. It seems like such a simple idea, but in a way, that's the genius of it. It is music at its bare essence. So how did Sean Moeller and the Daytrotter crew get started? We just had the idea, you know, it was just, um, it was like really as easy as that, you know, we just, we kind of thought of it and, uh, you know, asked my sound engineer, you know, the guy who became my sound engineer, if uh, he thought that it would work, that he could do it, and uh, he said, yeah, and we started recording, you know, a couple, you know, it was, it was you kind of had to have the idea first and then, you know, figure out how it was going to work second. When you arrive at daytrotter.com, it is clear that the aim of the site is not one of financial gain, but to spread the word about great music. 
In addition to the free downloads from the sessions, the artists are interviewed and articles are written that read more like creative prose than standard music journalism. The site is also filled with amazing hand-drawn illustrations. Daytrotter provides a sort of framing of the music in a context of respect and appreciation for the artists and their craft. We record people that we really love, you know, and so, you know, there's a lot of bands that we really love, you know, that's just the way it is. So, um, you know, we're, we're in the promotion business, but not really, you know, I mean, we, we just kind of support the things that, you know, we're like anybody, you know, I mean, people buy products or, or like things and they try and get their friends to like things. That's kind of what we are, you know, like... You know, all these people that come to our site, you know, we're not friends with all of them, but uh, I think, um, you know, if you come to our site enough, you kind of get a sense of, of maybe, uh, I guess, what we like, you know, and um, I think we have a good track record. And in turn, Daytrotter has begun to gain recognition amongst bands and solo artists as a friend and as professionals who know how to record well. You get a sort of mutual admiration society that helps make Daytrotter what it is. I, we've just become really good friends with a lot of people just through what we do now. And it's, I mean, that's really the best thing, you know. I mean, when we do a session with somebody and really kind of connect with them and, and you know, they really appreciate what we do as much as we appreciate what they do. And, and that's when it really, like, those are the moments when it really hits you that, that we're doing something really great. You know, whether, whether or not we're in everybody in, you know, every music fan's mind yet or not, we're, we're at least respected by the people making the art, which is really great. And so, like, you know, when people come in, even if it's somebody that, that you know, we've just, you know, we've just listened to the record a couple times and I thought it was great and invited them in, you know, even if it's somebody we don't really know that much when they come in and they're like all like, oh, we're so happy to be here, you know, it's great. I mean, it's not that we like them just because they like what we do, but, you know, you really get a sense that, that you're helping people, you know, not just, you know, I feel like we help musicians and I, I feel like we, you know, are, are some sort of assistant to like helping, I guess, the bigger world. It's this positive vibe that is so refreshing, as many people talk gloom and doom as the traditional music industry crumbles and the indie world begins to ascend, Sean Muller sees things less as destruction, but more of a breaking down of barriers. What is the state of indie rock and of all music? I think the state of all music right now is, is becoming just, I think it's, everything's becoming the same. And it's, it's kind of good, you know, like, people are eclectic, you know, more so than they probably ever were with, you know, with iPods and things like that. I mean, um, everybody's willing to listen to everything, I think, and, and um, the state of it is great, I think, you know, I mean, you can, you can reach so many people now, but it takes, it takes really focusing on doing it to make it happen. Views like this are what's needed in the 21st century music industry. When the current people who oversee the major labels first got involved in the industry, they must have had at least some of this enthusiasm and love for the music. But somewhere along the line, they lost focus of what matters. They forgot who actually, you know, <laughs> pays for their meals. You know, it's these creative people, you know, it's, you know, they don't, you know, the, the creative people don't really need the bigger people, you know, it's like, the bigger people need the creative people. I sincerely hope that Daytrotter stays around for a long time and that more genuine music lovers with forward-thinking ideas emerge. Ultimately, it'll be what's needed to save the industry. 
So what does the future hold for Daytrotter? I don't know. I think too many people get caught up in like having to like do new things and do, um, you know, I think as long as we just keep doing what we're doing like really well, I mean, it's going to speak for itself. You know, it's like, you know, um, there's never going to be a, a lack of interest in great recordings of, of great bands. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, like I'm never, I, I don't want to ever do an overhaul of the site. I don't ever want to like do a, a major redesign or anything like that, and I don't want to, uh, um, you know, really venture off into different things that, that we're not good at, you know, it's like we know what we're really good at, and so we're just going to keep doing that. Let that resonate with you for a while. For Fundamental Treks, I'm Andy Pulliam. You've got to love an outdoor interview during South by Southwest. Gives it that authentic feel. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Fundamental Treks. Fundamental Tracks is produced in cooperation with Fundamental Records. Visit them online at fundamentalrecords.com. Executive producer for Fundamental Tracks is Tim White. Senior producer is yours truly, Andy Pulliam. Associate producer is Joe Nichols. Our RSS feed master is Michael Maloney. And liner voice is Ingrid Lasowskis. Special thanks go out to Sean Moeller of daytrotter.com and our friends the High Strung. We're going to close out this episode of Fundamental Tracks with one more from The High Strung. This too is off their 07 release, Get the Guests. It's called Arrow. Thanks for listening. Once upon a time, the wind was high, and I couldn't know it was aimed at me. I've been shot before But neither report Were as half as clear As this one's clean Arrow Arrow I would leave it alone If I could leave it alone But it's hard to ignore When it strikes the bomb